This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, Episode 43. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Laura Peterson to the Baller Circle. Laura is a teacher turned entrepreneur and digital nomad who took lessons learned from the growth of a successful tutoring and test prep company and applied it to podtent marketing, which helps established businesses launch their own podcasts as a key piece of effective content marketing strategy. Now, I met Laura at a meetup um, a, in San Diego, uh, for, uh, podcasters who, um, are interested in learning more about podcasting, who are interested in growing their podcast business. Uh, and Laura is someone that she really struck me because, uh, we were talking about podcasting. We're talking about her journey into the business that she currently has. And one thing that she mentioned that I thought was, was really fascinating was the concept of podtent, all the kind of services that podtent uh, provides to people who are interested in creating a podcast. And so, Laura, the, the first thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to kind of talk about if you can kind of give us an uh, overview of what podtent is, the, strat- the um, uh, services that you provide, and your ideal clients. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me on. This is really exciting. I'm usually on the other side of things because I've got a podcast too. So it's exciting to be interviewed. Um, but content marketing is all about launching a podcast and putting it at the forefront of a content marketing strategy. And part of the reasoning behind that is it's so much easier to sit down and have an engaging conversation like we're starting right now than it is to sit down and look at a blank screen like a blank white cursor of death and have to just come up with content to put out there on your website or to share on social media and things like that. So a podcast is so valuable in so many different ways, including creating uh, content. And so what we do is we help businesses or successful entrepreneurs, solopreneurs as well, start their own podcast and do all of the logistics so that they don't have to worry about that. They can completely delegate it to us because that's what we love and you know, we do day in and day out. And then we turn those engaging conversations into more shareable things that they can spread all over the web and really drive traffic to them, establish their industry authority, and all the other great benefits that come from having your own podcast. Okay, awesome. So uh, let's let's kind of talk about the ideal client, because I know for every business, there's, you know, it's Right. right for some people, not necessarily right for others. Who is who is your target market? Who is the ideal client? Well, that's a good question. So we primarily went into this wanting to focus on more mid-sized companies that have a good marketing budget and understand the importance of branding and establishing authority and reaching a new audience in a different way, um, but maybe don't have their own in-house team to do that. But we've also found a lot of attraction from entrepreneurs who also are at the point in their business where they want to branch out and get more exposure in this manner, but don't want to learn something brand new from scratch because they know how much time and effort that really takes to, to jump into something new. Okay. Sounds good. So with that, um, from all your experience and all the clients that you've worked with, what, what are those key factors that makes a good podcast and how do you measure that? Okay. Good question. Well, 
my first thought on that is before I started my own podcast, which was actually April of 2016, so really not that long ago, I had been helping my business partner, Dominic Siriani, on his podcast for about the past two years on the back end of things. And I finally was like, okay, I need to launch my own 100% to see it from start to finish and go through it. And my podcast producer recommended that I watch the course on Creative Live from Alex Bloomberg. And it was called podcast storytelling or storytelling with podcasts, something like that. Um, he's really well known. He's Gimlet Media, This American Life. He's one of those podcast all stars. And his his shows are very highly produced and mine are not as more like your show where we do an interview and, and we just play it from start to finish. They're more a real storytelling progression type of a podcast. But what his main point for anybody who wants to get into podcasting, you really need to do either one of two things or both. One is you need to entertain, or two, you need to educate. But if you're not hitting at least one of those, it's kind of like, what's the point of watch, or what's the point of listening to this? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I try to keep those things in mind to always kind of tie something back into a takeaway that someone can implement, or just let's talk about interesting stories that people can relate to, because that's also entertaining. Okay. Okay. So with that, uh, the, the educate and the entertaining and entertainment piece, do you have a, a model uh, that you use for figuring out how to, uh, to be entertaining and how to, to educate? What are the, I guess, what are the things that people need to be considering uh, when they're thinking about, is this entertaining or not? Or will, will this educate people enough? Right. Well, that really drills down for one into really knowing your target audience and who you're trying to reach and who you're speaking to. Because if you can get into the head of what they're really looking for, then you'll have a better idea of what would be entertaining to them or what would be educational to them. So for example, my podcast that I run is called Copy That Pops. And I focus on online successful business entrepreneurial stuff with a focus. I try to drill down back to improved copywriting or how to improve um, content production in general and tie in psychology in any way back to online success or you know business success so when i'm thinking about who's listening i imagine someone who's like me which is early 30s female successful in their business but still wants to even push it to the next level so I pretty much try to just think of myself as the target market, which sometimes is pretty relevant for people. And I think, what would I find entertaining or what would I find educational? You know, maybe if I was even two steps back from where I am, would I think, oh, that's a cool tip. I want to talk about that. Okay. Sounds good. So with that, uh, let's, let's take a little step back and let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey. Um, sure. So I'd like to know, one, where'd you grow up? What was life like? And were there any things that happened to you while you were growing up that made you want to become an entrepreneur? Oh, wow. Okay, so I'm from Orange County, California. And that's in Southern California between LA and San Diego. And I, my, neither of my parents graduated from college. And so I grew up with the motto of just do well in school, work really hard, go to the best college you can, graduate, get a job, stay there and just work your way up the ladder and you'll be happy. And I was good at school. I love school. I was a bit of a nerd. <laughs> so I followed that recipe to a T and, and things were good. But I studied abroad in Germany for a year during college. 
And that really shifted my perspective in general in life because I, you know, just saw the world just open up. Like there's so many things I want to explore. There's so many things I want to try and do. And it just so happened when I came back as well, my dad gave me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Have you read that? I have. It's an excellent book. (laughs) Yeah. And so reading that, I realized, oh my gosh, there's more to life than school. (laughs) There's investing and business building. And if I really want to go beyond just trading time for money until the day I die, I need to start thinking outside the box that I had, you know, formerly been in and figure this whole business and investing thing out. Mm-hmm. Huh. So I like that it, you, that, you know, you kind of took a, uh, a different approach from, you know, your parents had something set up for you. You were going that yeah. path, but that path in and of itself led you to realizing that entrepreneurship is a great way uh, right. to realize your, your dreams and goals. So let's, so let's, you know, move forward a little bit. So you, uh, you know, you were a digital nomad um, mm. for a little bit of time. Uh, let's talk about that. How do you, what, for, I guess for, for people who don't know what a digital nomad, nomad is, explain what that is. And then also, how do you uh, get to live that lifestyle? What do people <laughs> need to do uh, who are interested in being a digital nomad? Okay, so many layers to that question. That's a good one. So digital nomad is someone who, I would just say an, an entrepreneur, who isn't tied to one particular location. So late location independent entrepreneur, maybe or other words to describe it. And I can't say that I, you know, read the Rich Dad Poor Dad and was just like, snap my fingers, I'm a successful entrepreneur, let's go. So there's a bit in between as well. Mm-hmm. So I tried a couple businesses, things didn't work. I was still trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And I ended up going back, getting my master's in education because I'm a big nerd, like I said. So that just came natural to me. And I actually taught high school math and psychology for five years at a school in Arizona. And one of the reasons I went into that was because of travel. So I had a ton of time off to travel. And I literally would get on a plane the second school went out on a big, on a on a break and come back the very last second before I had to be back teaching and I backpacked <laughs> all over the world. So even though I had a permanent location job, even at that time, I was trying to push the boundaries as much as I could and travel as much as I could. And while I was teaching, there was a local community college that started offering online courses. So I started teaching online psychology for a community college locally and when I finally decided to take the big leap of, okay, let's cut the full-time job completely and just jump and go for it, which was about just over five years ago now, I had that part-time teaching online as a supplement to fund my basic bills while I started my tutoring and test prep company, which is the first successful business that I started. Um, So how do I become a digital entrepreneur? Well, one thing is I did have a small stream of income that was coming in no matter what that I could do from anywhere. So I could already be a digital nomad. Just, you know, I could even move to Thailand or, or somewhere where it's a lot cheaper cost of living and, and get by. Um, and then I just didn't quit. I just, I was just obsessed with it. And I was like, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Like I'm just going to make this happen. Awesome. So let's talk about these lessons learned that you learned from sure. growing the, the tutoring business. So I mean, I know that every entrepreneur, uh, and, you, and you, you kind of alluded to this earlier where you talked about how you had a lot of failed um, business uh, ventures. What were those failed ventures and what did you learn from that? And, and, and what, I guess, kind of nuggets of, of knowledge can you bring to people who are maybe still yeah. trying to push through those failures? 
Sure. Well, um, two failures that come to mind, which are sort of funny, I guess, at this time. Uh, one was a balloon animal party service. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually, I, I took this course. It was a rich dad, poor dad course at a community college about real estate investing, I think. And I met these two guys in there who are, really wanted to start a business too. So we started meeting every week and talking about you know what business to start. And one of the guys was really good at making balloon animals. And he would go to parties and make a couple hundred bucks just like for a few hours. And so we thought, well, why don't we get balloon animal artists, find clients who want people at their parties, put them together and take a cut of it, which is basically the same model for my tutoring company, <laughs> you know, many years later. <laughs> but that business didn't work out. And in part, every time we would have a meeting, I would have done every single thing on my list that I agreed to do, but the other guys didn't. Mm. And so a lesson from that is in picking a business partner if you're going to do a joint venture. It really, it can be tough, but it is possible. So you just have to give it that time and due diligence to really see, is this person just as committed as I am? Do we have strengths and weaknesses that that play off each other well? Um, so when I started my tutoring and test prep company, I did it also with a business partner and our strengths and weaknesses overlapped in a really strong way. We both were hundred percent committed and it worked. So that was, it was a kind of one change and lesson learned from that one. Okay. I like that. So did you have any limiting beliefs or bad habits or anything like that you had to overcome in order for that success yeah. to come your way? Oh yeah, for sure. And even stuff I'm still working through, I mean, I don't think there's a day at least not in my experience where you're just like, Oh, done. I'm perfect now. <laughs> but, um, I think one thing for me is I came from a very teacher background. I mean, still consider myself a teacher in so many ways. And as a teacher, you give like all of yourself and you don't ask for money in return. That's just sort of the model. And so to a certain degree, I have struggled with that sort of money mindset or even, imposter syndrome of like, am what I is what I'm giving worth the trade in money. Hmm. So that's something that I've definitely been working through and still have a little ways to go because I, you know, I'm not 100% there yet. But, um, you know, realizing the value that I bring to the table is worth that trade in money, because money is just a tool. And what I'm bringing is even more valuable than that. Okay, I like that. So you're you now so now you're running content marketing. Um, mm -hmm. How did that get started? How did you, I guess, one, um, gain the skill sets that are necessary for you to be able to provide these services to your clients? And then two, at what point did you realize, you know, it's time for me to start a company with this? I can make, I can make a business out of this. Yeah. So let's see here. My tutoring and test prep company over the past two years or so has grown to the point where I could be 100% digital nomad with it. So the tasks that I needed to do I could do from anywhere. And that allowed my husband and me to move from Arizona to San Diego and then from San Diego to Europe this past year. Um, so that was one really good thing. We really built a good, strong team at that company. So I'm also now to the point where I don't really have to do a lot of the day-to-day -to, -day to, to keep it going. And I've been able to have a bit more free time to explore some other new passions. And right around that time, my friend Dominic, uh, who's my business partner for PodTent, he was and still is doing the podcast for the Internet Marketing Association, which is a million member plus marketing organization. And, and he's the voice of that 
podcast and he said to me, I'm a bit too busy. Could you help me out a bit? Cause you know, you're a big nerd for writing and everything. And so what I would do, you know, starting two years ago is I would listen to every single one of his episodes. I write at the show notes. I do all the social media. So I got really good at writing tweets and Facebook posts that were compelling for people to click and listen and reshare. And then I would also even ghostwrite some articles for him about topics that were inspired by the conversations he was having. And that was going really great. And then we, we kind of sat down and said, what we're doing for this organization together with him or the podcast side and me more the content side is a real great value proposition for companies who want to do the same thing. And so that's how we got it started. Okay. So how, how do you um, go about finding clients? Are they, are they reaching out to you? Are you reaching out to them? What, what sort of um, avenues yeah. are you using? Yeah. So, so far we, he and I both have a lot of other stuff going on. So we've been happy to let it grow at a good pace without really just pushing it crazy. So we are producing content. We are visible on social media, but our number one thing is word of mouth and networking. So we're really involved in networking online in different groups where potential clients could hang out, people who love podcasting, and then going to things in person, especially now that I'm back in the United States. And that's where we met. You know, I love going to things like podcasting groups or entrepreneurial groups, or um, actually I have something later on today in Irvine that's going to be a, a presentation actually on the topic we're talking about, you know, the changing outlook of work and co-working and being remote and all that kind of thing. So I just really love doing that in-person and online relationship building and it just naturally leads to a conversation and if if it's a great fit for somebody they reach out and we we talk about it so I really I wouldn't undervalue you know the the idea of that person to person slow growth uh, especially in the beginning because you know don't stress about the, the perfect funnel and um you know getting a becoming a master of Facebook ads when there are plenty of people in your network or just outside your network that would be a perfect fit and you know start there Hmm. Okay. So what are the things that you think someone who wants to start a podcast, um, what are some, what are the, what are the right things to outsource and what are the things that you need to kind of be good at yourself or, or can everything be outsourced? Yeah, well, everything can be outsourced and nothing can be outsourced. So you can definitely do whatever range makes sense and feels right for you and how much time you have and, and your level of expertise and budget and everything. Um, and just like everything, it seems like it's pretty easy. And it, I'm not going to say it's the hardest thing in the world. It's really not. Um, and I like that, you know, you can even be in your pajamas and still put on a great show. You don't have to get all cute and, and uh, you know, camera ready. Um, so it just really depends on how much you want to take on because there is a learning curve with everything. Um, and, and just like I've personally found everything takes longer than you think you're like oh just slap up a website in the next three days yeah and that takes three months or whatever <laughs> so so you can outsource anything from just the con just the audio editing just kind of piecing all the things together and and leveling out the sound so it, it sounds more consistent and nice i've never actually done that for a whole episode because we have people on the team so that's something i've never actually jumped in and learned then you can outsource the content part and the sharing part. So if you don't have time to make little cute images with quotes to put on Instagram and put all over Facebook and Pinterest, then you can pay someone to do that for you. And, um, you know, just get a lot more traction on, on sharing the content that you produce. Okay. 
So when you're going to companies, uh, I know you said often, uh, you, you know, a lot of the sales that you get are word of mouth, but what's the value proposition for them? So, you know, the, uh, f- from for these businesses, what should they be expecting to get uh, from starting a podcast? Why do they need one? Right. So many things. One is to grow and reach a new audience that you wouldn't otherwise maybe be able to connect with. So as you know, when you launch a podcast, if you connect it up properly, you're on iTunes. So now people can find you if they're just searching your topic in iTunes or in Stitcher, iHeartRadio, different sources that you can put that audio out there. So that's a great way to grow and reach a new audience. Uh, The other great thing, just in particular about podcasts, is it's the only medium where people can consume the content while multitasking. So if someone's driving or maybe running around the park, they can't watch a video and they can't um, read a blog article, but they can listen to a podcast. So it's something that people can consume more times throughout the day versus other pieces of content. Uh, It's also a great way to position yourself as industry authority in a topic is if you're always talking about a certain topic and you're always interviewing other leaders in that topic, you're naturally going to be seen as an authority in that in that area. Um, Another thing that I don't think people maybe think about, but I have found it to be absolutely amazing, is it using it as a networking tool and a way to open up conversations with potential clients in a non-salesy, non-threatening way where you're really building a relationship. Because I personally, I'm the teacher side, I'm not a salesperson, I actually just like would rather do anything than quote unquote sales. But if I meet someone new, I can say to them, hey, I love what you're doing, I'd love to interview you and put you in front of my audience, I think you have a lot of great stuff to share. And now we talk for 20 to 40 minutes, we start building a relationship, they see that I'm adding value and that I actually care to get to know them. And now they say, oh, by the way, what you're doing is really cool. I'd like to hire you. That is a much better path in my mind than meeting someone new and being like, hey, I could really help you out. Let's talk. And just instantly people put up the walls. So I think that even businesses can do that as well. So um, let's say you sell cars. Now you can go and interview other people in that in the car industry and they could maybe be a perfect joint venture partner with you, or maybe they're going to start, um, you know, sending referral business back to you, whatever the, the case may be. You can really just start building that network within your industry um, in a way that, that you can't otherwise. Hmm, I like that. So, uh, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about your other podcast. You have uh, copy that pops. Um, sure. And the thing that's interesting to me about that is copywriting is kind of fundamental to everything, right? I mean, even, you know the podcasting yeah. piece. You want to you want to write a good uh, tweet or a good uh, blog post about your your podcast. You have to be able to be a good copywriter. What right. what I guess it related to podcasting. Um, what are the copywriting elements that you think a someone who wants to have a good podcast uh, needs to be able to master? Well, one thing is short, sort of that short copy. Um, So when you publish to iTunes, you have to write a short description. And so you want it to be sort of punchy and interesting and have some keywords that when people are searching, they're going to find you. If they read the description, they think, yeah, I'd like to click and listen to one of these. So I would say short 
summary type writing that really grabs the reader and gives them a taste of who you are for the podcast or even for your social media profiles, I think is a really great um, practice to improve on. And one of the ways that you can do that is to go out there and look at the people that you love to follow, that you love to listen to, and see how they present themselves in these short areas of writing. So on Twitter or their um, you know, little profile um, summary on LinkedIn or things like that, and see, see what elements you like, and then just fill in your own text that's relevant for you, and now you've got something to work with. Okay, nice. So uh, throughout your entrepreneurial journey, did you ever hire a mentor? I actually did hire a business coach uh, while I was in Germany. Uh, let's see, we did a 90-day coaching um, program, and I interviewed her on my podcast, actually. I think it was episode four. I'm, I'm forgetting the number now. Um, but I've known her since seventh grade, so we actually grew up together. And we had sort of similar paths in our timeline of starting the entrepreneurial journey, but, you know, I looked over and I'm like, you're a couple steps ahead of me. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I hired her and it was a really great experience. Nice. So what uh, can you talk about, like, what specifically, uh, I guess, one, what were your expectations from this mentor relationship? And two, um, what are the specific things that you learned, uh, like that you thought were valuable uh, and worth, you know, because you're, you're going to yeah. hire a mentor, you're going you're gonna to make a financial investment. What made that right. investment worth it? Well, you know, one of the things that we really worked on for me personally was what I kind of alluded to already is like this money mindset sort of a, a deal where I almost was pushing away money or or nervous to accept it because of my own, you know, mental relationship with it. And it also dates back to childhood because I grew up in Orange County, but I personally felt poor you know, compared to the rest of the world, that's not realistic. But in my own little world, I felt poor compared to everyone else. Mm -hmm. So I always thought, you know, money is the number one thing, like, hold on to it, don't be crazy spending. And, you know, don't even really invest because you might lose it. So hold on to it. So I have like, sort of some of those things that I'm trying to work through as I keep going to the next level, next level, next level in my business. So that's one of the things that we really focused on. And something else that I found really valuable from working with her is, is her coaching in don't be attached to the way that things work or come to you. So it's like you want to be successful in whatever measurement you choose, but don't be attached to the way that that happens or even the time that it happens. Of course, work hard. Of course, do everything you can. But if you're so attached to it, like your fist is so clenched tight around it, you're going to self-defeat or you're going to not see another opportunity that's coming out of right field that left field that you never saw coming that could get you there as well. So I think just sort of being more open and enjoying the process and the journey and knowing confidently that things are going to work out the way that we want to, just maybe not exact way we thought or timeline and just be okay with that was really beneficial. Thanks for sharing that uh, that great story about uh, your mentor and the mentor relationship and the things that you learned. I think that was uh, really helpful because I, I feel like the the um, the issues that you had are issues that so many people have um, mm -hmm. those limiting beliefs, those ideas about money and about, about like what you know what they can make and uh, right. you know, they need to make these specific mindset shifts. Um, 
I'm curious now that you have been able to overcome those sort of things. Um, if someone came to you and they said, you know, Laura, I'm looking to grow my business. I'm looking to hire a coach. Um, what method would you say or what advice would you give them on how to pick the right coach for them? Hmm. So I didn't do a lot of research or anything. I actually didn't even plan on hiring one. It just kind of all worked out um, with mine in particular. And I was sort of, as we talked, I just realized I was in a place where I was ready to take advantage of it and really let it affect me maybe that I wouldn't be otherwise. And also I was willing to spend the money on it because even though she and I are friends, I still pay the regular price. And in the past I would not have spent that much money on something like that. So I was finally ready to invest in myself and in my business in that manner. So I think first, if, if someone is ready and at that point, um, a way to, if I were just going to find a mentor now, I think what I would do is talk to people that I respected who I could really tell truly are a few steps ahead of me and ask them for recommendations. Okay. So, um, you know, you've, you've built two successful companies. Uh, you're trying right now to, um, you know, you're, you're growing the, the pod tent business, um, by leaps and bounds. You're, uh, getting yourself out there. You have a great podcast. What's, what's the next step? What's the next, uh, goal? And, uh, what's, what's kind of, um, I guess the, the next, I guess, year or five year plan look like for you? Oh, that's a good question. So I want to keep growing pod tent and student tutor. That's the tutoring company more to the point where things are even more efficient, more system, systematized, more delegating. Um, as I really believe that in order to be successful and not lose your mind and free up enough time so that you can have good vacations with family or if something just comes up that you really want to do, you can do it. Let's just have that freedom. You need to empower others and delegate and create step-by-steps so that people can follow it really clearly and you're not a bottleneck to the process. So I always mention Tim Ferriss for our work week. <laughs> it's like my little Bible <laughs> is what I say. So if anyone's never read that, I would recommend reading that. I'm definitely not to the four hour work week by any means, but I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. And I still implement the, the principles that, that he talks about in being more efficient and effective. Okay. That's a great segue into my next question. So what, oh, good. what, what type of schedule do you keep? Hmm. Well, I really like waking up early now, which is so weird. If you would have told me that a year or two ago that I actually would be a morning person, I would have just laughed at you and said that's a lie because my normal routine is staying up till 12 or 1 and getting up at 8 or 9. That was sort of my rhythm. But uh, when we moved to San Diego before we went to Europe, my husband and I, we got a, we decided to get a, um, a studio downtown San Diego. And so he woke up really, really early because he's in the landscaping business and, and they just get up super early. So I decided to adjust my schedule and get up with him. So he didn't feel bad, you know, trying to make breakfast. <laughs> and that kind of helped me see a little bit of the fun and value of being up before anyone else's. So I'm not getting any messages on Facebook. No one's texting me. No one needs anything from me. And it's sort of like you're bright eyed and bushy tailed and just like focused on what I think is the smartest thing to do is to accomplish the number, maybe one to three small tasks 
first thing in the morning before you do anything else. Don't read your email. Don't look at your, your, your Facebook messages. Don't check your Instagram. Do the top most important things that you feel like if I got nothing else done today, I would still feel like it were a success. I, and, and boil it down to small things. So don't be like launch a website because you're never going to get that <laughs> done in a day. <laughs> so small little steps and then just try to be okay with the progress that you make at that pace. And of course to do more stuff too. So I'm not done after, you know, an hour or two, but I like to do that stuff in the morning with a cup of coffee. And then after I do my most important things, I'll cook some breakfast, check emails, see if, you know, any giant fires need to be put out. And then from there, days are pretty variable for me just because I've got so many different things that I'm, that I'm juggling with and playing with, but I do try to batch certain things. So as an example, when I do podcast interviews, it's only on Thursdays. Hmm. And I just find that I get into the mind, and today's the Thursday actually too with us. So I try to get into the mental mindset of I'm doing podcasts today and batch that work. So then the rest of the week, I don't have to stress or even think about preparing for a podcast because, you know, things take mental bandwidth to be able to do that. So I wouldn't say any one day is the same as the next, but I do try to batch stuff. So one quick question about batching, which I think is interesting, sure. is because I know a lot of people have that strategy. They batch their podcast interviews. But then mm -hmm. what happens when you're batching your interviews on Thursday and then your guest batches their interviews on Tuesday, right? Right. Like, it, it, is is there is that an opportunity to, like, have some wiggle room? Do you just say, hey, this, this is not worth it? Or you depend, like, it depends on, like, how... With what you think they're going to do for your podcast or what, what do you do? Yeah, well, I would definitely make an exception. I mean, I even say that in my email, I batch on Thursdays. If that doesn't work, let me know some other options and we'll make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure when I'm like Tim Ferriss level in the next couple of years, I might just say deal with it or don't come <laughs> on. <laughs> but, you know, I'm still at the level of growing and having fun. And and I understand that sometimes, you know, other people have different uh, scenarios, too. So. I'd be a little bit flexible. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I, I love the, you know, what you were said about, about waking up early because I do the same thing. I wake up early and uh, and for me, like I am not a morning person by nature, but I am a morning person because I've seen the benefits of waking up early. Like I'm, yeah. I'm someone very easily distracted, very easily distracted. Like, and uh, the, you know, exactly what you said about the morning is like, there's really no distractions because no mm -hmm. one's awake. Like you don't really want to make a lot of noise. You don't want to wake up other people either. And you can just be really focused and really productive. Um, and, uh, and, you know, trying to do things also at the end of the day, or there's too much opportunity for other things to come up for right. people's, you know, other agendas or demands to kind of come in the way. Uh, right. so yeah, so getting up early is a, is a, is a great thing. So I'm, I'm glad, <laughs> you, I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, cool. Um, so the next thing that I wanted to discuss was uh, what is your why for doing business? I mean, what, what really motivates you to keep going and, and uh, I guess, push through uh, any sort of challenges that, that come your way? Yeah, well, the first things that come to mind for that question, and I don't have a, a great answer prepared, but I would say I l I'm really motivated by teaching and learning. So I love learning anything new. So if I'm not doing something new or exploring a new place in the world somewhat regularly, I literally feel like like life is pointless. I start to <laughs> spiral mentally. So I know that I just really like doing new things and 
and trying different stuff and meeting other people. Then that's like a part of it as well. So meeting new people or and old friends and family too. It doesn't have to always just be novel stuff. Um, and then the other thing is in terms of becoming an entrepreneur, it really started when I read that Rich Dad Poor Dad because I didn't even really know what entrepreneur was. I didn't think, oh, business investing, that's nothing to do with me. I'm an academic so just kind of seeing that, I realized, oh, that's like a path that I really see value in and I want to be successful in. And I, I, I had to work hard in school, but I still, a certain degree, felt like it came easy. So, you know, people used to ask me when I was in my 20s, it's like, what are you most proud of? And I literally couldn't give them an answer hmm. because, you know, getting a master's degree or a a, a bachelor's or whatever like none of that seems like that hard I mean you just do the assignments they give you turn it in and you 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 graduate so to me starting and growing a successful business and then also being start, smart with money and investing whether that's in real estate or other ventures to me is um the hardest things I've ever done and the stuff I'm most proud of mm. and I just really identify with this community because I think so much of entrepreneurism is learning and it is teaching is you. Ha I have learned more things starting businesses than I could ever have learned in a school. Um, and I've taught more things than, well, I mean, I used to be a teacher, so I couldn't compare it to that, but I also <laughs> teach a lot of things too. You know, every blog article I write or every time someone calls me and it's like, Hey, I see what you're doing. Like, where do I start? And I just share with them my best tips. Like that's all teaching. So I feel like the entrepreneurial path is such a blend of that and allows me to travel too. <laughs> awesome. Well, Laura, thanks you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate the, uh, the information that you provided. Uh, super valuable. And I, I learned a lot myself. Uh, I wanted to know before we, <laughs> before we close out, uh, how can the baller circle learn more about you and your business? Sure. Well, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at lsp underscore s and that's my initials and then if you want to learn more about pod tent marketing you can go to podtentmarketing.com and uh, there's lots of blogs and we're creating more blogs all the time and tutorials and even freebies and things about getting started with podcasting and i'm always available if you want to ask me a question i'd love to hear feedback of what you thought of things you can do that on social media or you can email me as well Laura at podtentmarketing.com. Awesome. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. That's our show for today. As usual, thanks for listening. Next week, I'll be talking with Facebook ad strategist and affiliate marketer J.R. Rivas, and we'll be discussing uh, how he launched his first successful business at 19 years old and how he recently created his first digital product within seven days and made over $10,000 selling it on his very first webinar. So you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at internetballers.com. If you have any questions, uh, shoot me an email at michael at internetballers.com. And again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>